Today is Monday, February 5th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 557 features the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn. And I'm Evan Valenti, and today's show is powered by FanDuel. Get $200 in bonus bets with a $5 winning bet at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Everyone, welcome to a new Celtics beat. Great to be back here with you. Great to you. We uh, have you here with us. Uh, apologies, I guess, just to start things off. I know we did not have a show last week. We let it kind of bleed into today, so we'll we'll make up for it. We'll give you a couple this week. It, it's just been chaos, absolute chaos. Not only in the well, just the sports world entirely, with uh, a whole bunch of college basketball. I hope people are out there watching and and just getting yourselves ready for the intensity of March Madness a month and change from now. But also the Super Bowl. It is Super Bowl week. We've got Gary Washburn here with us from the Boston Globe. We'll get his thoughts on the Super Bowl in a little bit as well. But primarily, we'll be talking NBA and of course our beloved Celtics. The C's they still have not lost consecutive games going all the way back to very early November. They are coming off a Absolute thrashing of Marcus Smart's Memphis Grizzlies, although Smart was not part of that. He was there. He was watching. He was honored by the team as a hero among us there at the Garden in his return to Boston. But without him on the floor, among other key pieces, that Memphis team lost by roughly 40 points to the Celtics. Absolute domination. Sometimes you have to laugh when you see a spread that's like minus 19 and a half and say, "Ah, I got to take the dog. They're going to keep it close. Nope. (laughs) doubled it up Celtics had their way with the Grizz Gary good to have you back here with us of course you know Gary Washburn not only from the Globe but from his podcast the Big Three podcast formerly known as uh, the uh, uh, yes the A-list podcast yeah I'm training myself on on what it is now versus what it was before with Sherrod and with Kwani and uh, so Gary it's great to have you here as mentioned Uh, how are you how you been we haven't talked to you in a couple months oh everything's good yeah I'm good I mean obviously uh the season's kicking in, like 32 games left in the regular season. So we're all way over the halfway point. So yeah. it's um, starting to get to that stretch run. And I think once the all-star break passes in a couple of weeks, I think we'll, we'll definitely be in that stretch run. But just it's been a an interesting, fascinating season so far. Um, a lot's gone on. And uh, a lot, I'm sure, will go on over the next four to five months. Well, as you said, we're we're in the thick of it. You know, you, you mentioned All-Star, obviously All-Star festivities, weekend game, all of it. It's not that far away, but All-Star roster announcements have come out. Like, we know Jason Tatum is starting. We know Jalen Brown was named, uh, you know, to the roster as a reserve. We figure a, a couple of guys are, are probably going to end up not playing, not participating on account of injuries. And so... You know, could Kristaps Porzingis wind up there? Could Derek White wind up there? You know, I've heard some people say, could they both wind up there? So it becomes a question of how many C's could participate in uh, in All-Star. But also, we're only a few days away from the NBA trade deadline on Thursday. And that has been a date that many Celtics fans have had circled on the calendar, just in terms of seeing how Brad Stevens can look to improve an already elite championship contending team. So let's start right there before we sort of reflect upon Marcus Smart's return to Boston and how this team is playing and all of those other good things that obviously we'll get to. What are your expectations on Thursday in terms of whether this team will make a move? And I know you've written very recently about 
you know, 10 notable guys, including old friend Kelly Olenek, who could be on the trade block and a couple of guys who who maybe would be a logical fit here in Boston. Do you expect the Seas to make a move? And if so, how monumental? Well, yeah, I wouldn't expect monumental. They just don't have a salary or unless you're ready to part with uh, a really quality player. So if you look at the salaries, Peyton Pritchard makes seven uh, million, I want to say. And so he would be the most tradable asset, but I don't think they want to move him. And then you can pair a bunch of the minimum guys together and try to get, like I say, you wanted to get Kelly Olenek. Would you want to trade three players for Kelly? Um, is that going to really help your team, uh, including a, a Peyton Pritchard? Uh, that that would be, you know, or, or someone uh, of that ilk in terms of the salary because the there's a high and low with the Celtic salary. Everybody makes big money except when it goes down to Peyton, and then you're talking about the lower guys. Al makes 10. Like, you want to trade Al for, for Kelly Olenek? You could probably put in, in Lamar Stevens or something. You want to – I mean, that's these are things that are probably not going to happen. So if you're the Celtics, you're looking at a guy like Andre Drummond. I think they should go after Sadiq Bey. Younger, in the final year's deal, who knows what the hell Atlanta is doing at this point. Um would they would they take us a couple of second round picks in addition to that Grant Williams trade exception for Sadiq Bay? What would it take for the Hawks to get off Sadiq Bay's contract if they don't think they're going to resign him? And I'm not sure if they are. Obviously, he's a free agent. Um, do they just want any kind of compensation? Are they going to say no, no, no? We know how desperate you are to win a title. We want a first round pick. And then that then you're not going to trade a first round pick for an expiring contract unless you certain Sadiq based part of your future and you think you can resign him. So there and goes thinking over the next, you know, 72 hours in that situation. So, or an Andre Drummond who's making, I think 3 million, the league minimum, you know, would he add something to your uh, team, you know? And then, cause you, you think, well, uh, in the big man category, Porzingis, you want to keep him on ice and make sure he's healthy and fresh for the season. Uh, for the postseason, you want Al Horford. You don't want to wear Al out. I think Al, Al got really worn out at the post into the postseason last year. Look at his numbers; he just was not the same guy. Then you got the Luke Cornett experience. Do, how much of that do you want? Um, and and obviously the rotation's tight in the playoffs. But how much do you want? And then Kata, but Kata's not on an NBA deal. He's not eligible for the playoffs unless the Celtics were to transfer his contract to a standard NBA deal which I think would happen if, let's say, they had an open roster after the trade deadline. If they said, you know what, we just need his depth, we need that extra body. Um, and he's provided some some quality minutes over the last you know couple of months. I mean, he's had his moments. He's still raw. So it all depends. Would Drummond kind of fill that third center role? Um, would he come here and pout because he wants to play? What would be his attitude? I think Brad Stevens you know, has said it before. He's going to bring in the right chemistry guy. You know, I mean, I just remember the years when it was Keith Bogans and it was a bunch of guys uh, who just did not want to be in Boston. And Brad learned from that experience and said, I don't want to bring in guys who don't want to be here. You want somewhat this year's version of Blake Griffin. You want someone who's going to be a team guy, maybe not as uh, long in the tooth as Blake was, but someone who can be a useful player when he's on the floor, but a positive influence when he's off the floor and not playing. And that's a careful situation because when you get buyout guys, they want minutes. You know, they're not going to join your team to sit on the bench. 
Now, the whole lure of chasing the championship is definitely encouraging for some guys. So Sadiq Bey might be like, hey, I'll give you whatever you need. I ain't, I haven't gotten close to the finals yet. I'm, I just want to be part of it. Or you could have guys who come in and say, hey, I thought I was getting 15, 20 minutes a game. What's going on here? Then you can see their negativity they're having on guys, the influence they're having on guys like a Jordan Walsh. And I'm saying Jordan's going to contribute, but you don't want them to to be a negative influence or a cancer, which is a little strong, but a guy who's just going to come in there and be like, yeah, this ain't what I thought, man. I'm, you know, whatever happens with this team happen, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for next year. So that's a very careful decision over 72 hours. And I think what, what's going to happen is a lot of things will develop in the, on Thursday when teams, you know, are, okay, now here's the deadline. Now there's a lot of talk. Things will happen on Thursday. So I do think the Celtics will make a minor move, uh, try to get a big in or get a swing man, a wing, a guy who can shoot threes. I think the O'Shea Brissett experience has not worked as well as I thought we all thought it might, where he was going to be kind of knocking down threes and he was going to be running the floor. I think defensively and rebounding, he's been fine. Offensively, he's a liability, I would say, in terms of his shooting. So if you could get an upgrade in that position, that might help too. I'll let Ev follow up on some of the guys like Bay and others that you mentioned that obviously make more sense or more logical or more likely than this one. But you did allude to Blake Griffin. Any chance that I know he's he's effectively retired, although I think unless I missed it without the retirement announcement, he hasn't been playing this year, but people expected that come the season. You just, you know, you talk about the fact that he was here and that he did fit a little old in the tooth, as you said, but or long in the tooth, but he, uh, he he does sort of scream like P.J. Brown, right? Like, you know, one of those types of guys comes in late, get you over the hump, pull him off the couch, a la, you know, the Browns and Joe Flacco. But obviously we saw it here in 08 with uh, Cassell to an extent and Brown more fitting this description. Is Blake Griffin, a, you know, the type of guy Brad could call? Yeah, I think they probably kept in contact. And I think Brad's probably told Blake, hey, if you ever consider a comeback, we'd love to have you. Um, I think Blake's probably enjoying retirement life, but who knows if he got that itch, you know, to come back and play, but, and also what kind of shape he's in and what he would add to the floor. Like it would be great to have him as a leader, you know, for him to finally get a championship ring and all that, but that would be just kind of, you know, for him, is he going to be that guy who can give you some quality minutes? I just think you, you do want a ball player, right? Uh, You don't want a guy who's kind of, I mean, now, you know, with Blake, is the time off, has it done him wonders? Is he energetic? Is he like, hey, boy, I haven't felt this good in years because I have, I've had six months off, you know, like, but how long would it take him to get in basketball shape? Uh, I'm sure he's in great physical shape. I mean, the dude's a beast, a, 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 a sort of physical maven, but, you know, you, you look and you saw, you know, his legs are not, are, are beat up from the years of surgeries and all that. He's not jumping over keys anymore. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a possibility. And I think he's got a good relationship with Brad and the organization he left on great terms. Uh, but I think the Celtics will exhaust their uh, situation with the trade deadline. They're like, like I said, what is Chicago going to do now that they own Zach Arena? The one thing guys that we're, we're trying to figure out. Is what the half the hell is half these teams going to do? Toronto, Atlanta, Chicago, these teams on the bubble who are, you know, Golden State, Utah, like teams that could make a run for a play in. 
you know, but it's like, is it really worth it to, to go, you know, ha- go full bore at a playoff spot and then get lose in the play-in tournament and you've added no assets through the trade deadline. You haven't changed your roster. So there's a couple of teams. I said Toronto's a team to look out for. Atlanta, what the hell are they going to do? They're under 500. I think they're 20 and 27. They've won four in a row, and I know they come to Boston on Wednesday, so you never know. But they're a team that nobody's nobody's afraid of Atlanta. No one's comparing it to the Hawks, even though we thought in the playoffs last year when they pushed us up to the six games that they would be take the next step. I think everybody thought, oh, Atlanta's going to be maybe a – you know, fourth or fifth seed because they got all the guys back and a full year Quinn Snyder ain't worked out that way. So they're a team to really look out for. And in terms of the Chicago Bulls, do the Bulls finally break this whole thing up? Do they make major deals? Do they move Alex Caruso? You know, I think Kobe White's proven that he he's going to be there for, you know, he's played he's a really good year. Um, you know, Levine's out again for the year and, and what are they going to do with Vucevic and DeRozan? So there's some teams to really look out for. And, uh, and in the West, I'd say Utah and Golden State. And you know, what the heck are they going to do? And, and, you know, because it's now to maybe make a decision. We're not going to com- – we're, we're, we can make the play-in, but is that really worth it to gain no assets from the trade deadline? You know, it's funny I- – I find this time of year uh, very interesting um, for a multitude of reasons, but this particular year I find it very interesting because if you go back to like Danny Ainge's time with the Celtics and the head of the you know front office, he was always big game hunting, and it always felt like you know he was chasing X star, Y star, Z star, and you know it was always about picks and how many picks they're going to give up. Oh, Danny didn't want to give up uh, a future pick and get us all angry and mad and all that stuff, but it, the, the information was always just kind of out there, whether it was real or not. You know, you'd get the story later on, like, oh, here's how close they really were, et cetera, et cetera. How hard is it for you and your colleagues at this point to try and get any information out of the Brad Stevens front office? Because I feel like he moves in silence, right? Like the, the yeah, trade is, the, is uh, like the, the biggest one of it. Where like Brad's the opposite of Danny. Him. Like Brad does not – you'll see Brad – how he's – completely behind the scenes. You don't see him at games. You don't see him on the floor. You might see him at the arena. Now he goes, obviously he's at every game and you'll see him. Hey, Brad, how are you? He's kept a completely, completely low profile at his time as general manager. So it's hard to determine, you know, the the thing that we got from his last media availability was that they might be looking for a wing, but it also could be O'Shea Brissett who fills that role. So you think that they might be looking for a wing, but it's hard to determine what the Celtics are looking for. Uh, because as I said, in that organization, everybody's tight-lipped. Austin Ainge, David Lewin, all these guys, you know, they talk, hey, how you doing? They're nice, they're friendly, but they're not letting any information go. And I think that's the way Brad wants it. You know, where Danny was picking up the phone, telling you what's going on. Hey, you know, like he he took a completely different approach and there's no right approach or wrong approach to this situation. Uh, but with Brad, he's been behind the scenes. So you don't really know, but you do know that he's doing something. He's looking at somebody, you know, he is scouting. He is knows all these guys. Like, believe me, they know who they're trying to go after, right? They've they're on the phone. They're working the phone They're They know it's just a matter of when will we find out who is this player? Who will, who will come to the forefront? What team will say, okay, boss, we're ready to, we're ready to will and deal with you. Um, or is it, we're, we're taking the best offer or we want multiple first round picks or 
you know, who's asking price is going to be reasonable. All this is going to happen over the next 72 hours because now you have a lot of teams, guys, you know, looking to add the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New York Knicks, the, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, all the teams in the East, Miami, like, you know, the, the contenders, Indiana obviously added Pascal Siakam. You know, who's going to trade for Bruce Brown? He's sitting there in Toronto. Uh, and obviously you're competing also with the teams in the West, the Minnesotas, the Denvers, uh, guys who just want to add one final piece because there's plenty of teams when you don't have a great team in this league. And I don't think – I said this is a very good team. I don't know if they're great yet uh, who feel like they can win championship. You know, I think Milwaukee says if we get it together, even down to, all the way down to Miami says, man, we ain't, we ain't worried about this regular season. Just get us in and we'll – we'll take care of the rest like they did last year. So um, it's going to be a very interesting 72 hours, especially on Thursday, who is going after what, who decides to shut it down and start selling and who surprisingly will be buyers. I want to spend another minute on that. I'm I'm glad that I've brought it up because I, I do, you know, not being a reporter, not, not being a news breaker. I, I do find it pretty fascinating, you know, obviously, doing what you do and what you've done so well for so long just the difference in these regimes is as have hit on the fact that you know whether it was and there's a lot of overlap obviously brad being the head coach as long as he was but you know brad's hiring going back to 2013 contract extensions you know the promotion obviously to president of basketball operations with danny leaving so many things have happened in the shadows in complete silence in in this you know, in, in a world, you know, where that just does not happen anymore. Generally, it's it's people like you or Woj or Shams. You know, there's 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 a leak. There's a nugget. There's a story out there. And it seems like Brad really does. You know, I, I know him personally as it relates to his own life and contract, especially with I don't know if his wife is still his agent. But, you know, that, you know, that plays a, a role in it. Obviously, they can keep it literally in-house. But he does a remarkable job of keeping everybody who works with and under him completely tight-lipped. And so does that just basically tell us that any leaks that were happening previously were either directly, anonymously, quote fingers, from Danny, or in some cases, and I don't mean from you, I mean in the, in the, in the aggregate, in some cases made up, or just coming from agents or executives of other teams that were dealing with the Celtics, but it was never coming from Boston. Yeah. Um, I would say Danny was not one of those guys who was going to like have Woj and Shams on speed dial. Um, he was not on either side in terms of those two, those two are amazing reporters. They get it done. They're, they're locked in. But Danny was kind of an outlier when it came to those those guys and the big news breakers. Sometimes you'd catch Danny and he would get back to you. Danny was kind of fair to us uh, in terms of like, I'm not going to just hand it to the two guys and then 10 minutes later go, oh, yeah, it's done. And then, you know, you're 10 minutes late still, but he they think yeah. they've done you a favor, right? Um, that's not the case. In this situation, I don't know if it's more like – there's no leaks, but I think that if you probably catch the right guy at the right time, and now I'm not talking about Brad, um, then you could probably get something going on. And all, sometimes it's the player himself, it's the agent, uh, it is uh, an agent wanting to 
pay back a reporter for a previous story uh, or, you know, you'll, I mean, and now in our business, guys, it's about, you know, if you have 2 million Twitter followers and I have 52,000, who are you going to call first? You know, like if you want to get the news out or, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't care what you, how many, like you, you, you worked hard for this. That doesn't really happen. I think people think that the beat writers don't work hard anymore because Woj and Shantz, it's a lot going on. And as, as, as much as it is their amazing work and their hard work and living on the phone, like it's a dedicated situation, you know, I mean, you guys are, I, I would assume, either married or with somebody or in a relationship or whatever you have. And, you know, you don't, your wife does not want to look at you or spouse or mate, look at you always answering work calls. It's just, it's just not, it's not cute, right? It's not cute on <laughs> Valentine's dinner when you're, ta- oh, I got to take this. Like that ain't, that ain't score points at home. Um, sometimes you have to break away. You've got to put the phone away. My wife jumps on me about, look, why are you always on Twitter? Cause that's where everything is at. You know, she doesn't, I have to explain to her how much Twitter and X now is a, is a, a common source of news and information. Uh, so she asked that cause she's not a big Twitter. She's on Twitter, but she's not big on her X, but she, she had, I'd explain that to her. So I just think it's sometimes good luck, hard work. Uh, and sometimes you're following if you, you know, like if I want to get some news out, I'm gonna reach to the guy with six million followers. I'm not gonna reach to, to the guy out the guy with six sixty thousand. It's just and, and as much as that guy with sixty thousand worked just as hard, and I might like him, and he might be a good guy. So sometimes it's just it's just popularity, politics, favoritism, you know, all of the above that go into this game. And you know, I I would like viewers and listeners to understand that it's not like oh y'all don't work hard. They work like. We work hard. Those guys, the Shans and the Wojas, the pros of this business will work, work very hard too. Sometimes it's the outlet you work for. I work for a newspaper. That's old news now, right? You know, I mean, you know, newspapers are, you know, no one gets it delivered. So it's basically a website. And so it's, you know, people have to decide. I really want that in the globe. Now, let's say there's a story about, uh, Jalen's, Going to the crime bill, right? The 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 that he spoke on about uh, the eighteen the the age bill yeah. when it was crime, where now you could be twenty and, and not eighteen, where you're not getting kids who really made bad mistakes. Like that's something that's I think let's say his people say that's the globe, right? That's a Boston story. That's a good story that we want to read. Think you know we stick our teeth into. Jalen signing his extension. Is not maybe what the globe, you know what I'm saying? Like, like yes. that's ESPN, that's Yahoo, that's the athletic, that's a big conglomerate, that's CBS sports, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what we compete with. And, and, and I get it. I get it. Like, um, it's not fair. And, and I don't, I don't think everybody knows well, life isn't fair. So you're not asking for fair. You're asking for a shot. Um, but you know, that's kind of how this business goes now. You know, you sometimes you gotta you you gotta just take an L. You know, sometimes you just have to call the agent. And the agent's like, "Oh, I meant to call you," or "Oh, yeah, my guy signed. It's official." And it's, well, thanks, because you know I've been calling you the last three weeks about this, and you know, and you've been we've been talking, but now suddenly you didn't answer your phone for another ten minutes after it. You know, things like that. It's a frustrating business. You 
when you do break something or have something, it's very rewarding. Um, and you sometimes have to get understand the politics of the business, especially with social media followers, especially with certain conglomerates that cover the league that are bigger than, let's say, where I work for. Kaufman, you ever look at Shams' schedule, Kaufman? What's that? You looked at Shams' like schedule before. He's talked about this. No. I would not want to be Shams. I'm going to be honest with you. That does not seem like a fun. Everybody's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be like the newsbreaker? No, it wouldn't. Like, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> Gary just talked about it. You want to have a family? You want to have like a life outside of your work, outside of your schedule? Yeah. Then don't be Shams. Because like he's in the car driving somewhere and he's got two phones going at the same time. Like, and that's for 17 hours a day. You can't be, you're always on call. Like no matter what you do, no matter where you are in the world, you're always on call. I, I value my privacy a little more than that. I, I wouldn't want any part of that life. I, I don't know if Kaufman, if you fantasize about it, I, I heard his schedule and was like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm good. Good. No, I, yeah. I mean, I've read articles about those guys, Schefter, Woj, Shams. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's like all these guys. And, and like Gary is, you know, just as, as a, I mean, you're obviously a more of a columnist than a, a beat writer at this stage, but still, like, there is it's a it is a grind, man. It is like what what you do and what your colleagues do. It's different levels of grind, like you're talking about. But yeah, it is completely. I mean, totally infringes upon any sort of work life balance, and so it's obviously on you. But it's ex- still exciting. I mean. Yeah. The trade deadline coming up, you can't wait. It's your, it's your opportunity, however small it might be, one in a hundred, one in ten, to maybe break something, to call the right guy at the right time or call this, hear that tip. So it's still a challenge. If you, if you, I just feel like in our business, if you're, if you are okay getting your ass beat all the time, it's not the way it should be. You should be pissed. Even it's Woj and, and Shams. Even, you know, you cannot turn around and be okay being freaking Randall Tex Cobb. Look that up, kids, if you don't know who that is, or being Glass Joe. Like you can literally can't get, you know, you're getting your head beat in. That's not, you want to be, you, you, you want to be mad if it's not, Bringing another story, advancing the story, getting the player on the record for the first time or whatever, something that makes it fresh and new. That's the challenge of this job. And if you're not upset sometimes or most of the time that you're not, that, that the guys are getting stories or getting stories and it relates to your beat or your job, you sh- I don't know if you should be here. You can't, you can't be like, oh, that's just the way, you know, hey, and that, like, no, you should be pissed, even though it's not much you can do about it. Sometimes you can't do nothing about it, but sometimes you're still okay to be pissed. It's just like, you know, I mean, the Patriots lost 13 games, and they were not not favored to win any of them, but they were still pissed after they lost, right? Like, were they 4-13 and this year? So, yeah, yeah, like, you know, it's just like walking off the field after a game at Miami and being like, oh, well, they were just better. Like, what are we going to do? Let's go home. I'm hungry. Like, no, you should be pissed. You know, because you're a competitor. This is a competitive business. This is the one business other than sports and probably, you know, other, obviously other businesses where you're competing with other companies and cop sales and all that, where you compete. You know, we're st- I'm still a competitor. Um, you know, I like getting stuff first. I like the nuggets. I like it. So it, it should, it should burn you up. And it's not, it doesn't make you mad at your competition. It doesn't make you resent them. You just like, okay, I got to be better. I got to make an extra call. I got to get that extra source. Um, and 
or I got to talk to an agent and say, hey, man, like, I'm part of this, too. Like, you know, because they might not think, oh, I didn't think of putting you on the phone list. Okay. Like, really, you didn't? Some of these guys are, you know, play dumb. But, you know, you you you, you got to do your best. And, you know, when you are just like you don't care about getting beat, it might be time to take a step back and maybe do more features or maybe other things that, like, you're not, you know, com- competition doesn't matter. You're like, I'm good. Like, maybe it's time to do something different because I said I'm still – a competitor. I still like to compete. I still get mad if I see Woj or Shane. I'll, oh, well, that's it. You know, they're just going to whip my ass. Well, you know, like, no, hell no. Like, it's just, sorry. That's just not how I look at it. I, I, I applaud those guys, appreciate those guys. I know those guys, you know, with this mutual respect there. So it's not like a situation where I resent them, but in all honesty, shit, to my language, like, I want to win too. Yeah, we'll circle back on the seas, but just because we we've gone down this rabbit hole, I'm curious. I, what, I'm gonna check on my chicken. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll take. Can we take a break? Quick break. Yeah, you you check on that. We're we're gonna shout out our sponsor real quick. Okay, we're back. Let, let, let's take a quick break with that segue. To tell you today's show is powered by Fanduel. Happy Super Bowl! A lot of times to not have it be one of our food ads too. Yeah, I know. Isn't it a bummer? It's a real <laughs> bummer. It's, it's just the timing of it all. But yeah. Kaufman, I don't know if you've heard, but it's it's Super Bowl week, buddy. And yeah, uh, thanks to FanDuel, America's number one sports book, you can get $200 in bonus bets with just a $5 winning bet by going to FanDuel.com slash Boston. And if you're like us, Super Bowl Sunday is about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, those buffalo uh, chicken dips, mm-hmm. uh, your, your salsas, uh, your your handhelds, whether that's a burger, it's pizza, it's a chicken wing, it's hot dogs, whatever it is, getting some of those things and placing some Super Bowl bets, buddy. And uh, Kaufman, how invested are you in the Super Bowl at this point? Because I need, I need a wellness check on you right now. I'm not gonna oh, lie. How, how literally invested am I? Um, yeah, I think, <laughs> have you mortgaged the house yet? Are we up to the house? I'm not as invested as I will be come Sunday. I'll tell yeah. you that right now. Uh, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna run through some props here, Kaufman. I want yeah. you to I want you to tell me yay or nay. Okay. All right. All right. Like McCaffrey, thirty five plus rushing yards in each half. Yay. Okay. Minus one ten. Yeah, I like that. Pacheco, thirty plus rushing yards in each half. Wait, thirty five plus rushing yards each half is only minus one ten. Yeah, so this is – I was going to – I let off with this one. I wasn't quite sure if you were going to hammer this. As well. I mean, I think it's like almost a dead lock that no, he's going to – that, that shocks me just because his his prop for the game is, is I think, 89 and a half, 90 and a half. You right. Would th- I, I would think your odds wouldn't be as as good. Basically, I'm pretty damn close to even money on 35 per half. I love that. Absolutely. Lock it in. So we'll get that one going. How about uh, Zay Pacheco, 30-plus rushing yards each half? Um. Yeah, I like that because I mean, I played. That was the first bet I played was over sixty-five and a half, and that one's uh, creeping up around seventy for him now. Yeah, so that's plus two hundred. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, let's see here. I like. Oof. I can't quite do anything anything Kelsey related, but each team to score one plus rushing touchdown and one plus passing touchdown in the game. Uh I. I probably wouldn't play that. All right, I, mean, I could see hitting, but I probably wouldn't play it. That is plus two seventy if you want yeah. to take in on that. Cool. Um, oof. 
Brock Purdy or Pat Mahomes record 400 plus passing yards? Honestly, this is a Purdy bet because Mahomes is not throwing for 400 in this game. I, I mean, I don't think either one of them will, but I, I assume you you got pretty long odds on that. Yeah, it's it's juicy. It's plus eighteen hundred. Yeah. So just something to think about. There's like, yeah. folks, we could do an entire podcast about this, and honestly, maybe we should, but that's not for us <laughs> to decide. Uh, <laughs> there's so many props. It's going to be a blast. Uh, be responsible on Sunday, but you know, look, there's so much stuff to gamble on. It's insane. Uh, and you can bet on how many points will be scored, you know, the color of the Gatorade, how long the national anthem is going to be, all that fun stuff, and more. New customers today, 200 bucks in bonus bets. If you place a bet of $5 and that $5 bet wins. So look at some NBA stuff, get in on those bonus bets early and be ready to, to, to wager on the big day. Just visit fanduel.com slash Boston. That's fanduel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official partner, sportsbook partner, of the NFL must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas style casino LLC first online real money wager only $10 first deposit required bonus issue is not with trouble bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt restriction and supply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 100 gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 100gambler in West, oh, gambler.net, excuse me, in West Virginia. Call 800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. See, Gary, I bet you didn't think you had about 20 minutes to check on that chicken. Yeah, that's a lot. That's <laughs> a lot. That's a lot of disclaimers, man. man. Yeah. Don't get sued. Gambling industry is, is real, especially when it comes time for the Super Bowl. Uh, we, I, I do want your thoughts on the Super Bowl, but I, I just want to – well, all right, let's 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 just because we were just talking about it, let's go there. Do you uh, – I know you're a West Coast guy, at least in terms of your Dodgers fandom. I don't, I don't know that you have any Niners fandom. Where, uh, where – no, Absolutely yeah. not. All right, perfect. <laughs> so oh, what – God, uh, no. A group of Rams fan. No, I was I'm not. LA Rams. Got to be LA. Yeah, I am not a 49ers fan. No, I have friends who are 49ers fans. Absolutely not. I remember, like, when I was like 19 years old, my stepfather, for reasons I'll never know, got me like a literally a 49ers sweater. <laughs> like, I, I never, that thing never saw the light of day for like Christmas. <laughs> I just, you know, he's like, oh, you, you know, my stepson likes sports. This is looks cool. What? Never. I get the colors. Since yeah, since I could never. Home. I never wore that thing. No. So did you stay loyal to the Rams when they left LA? No. Oh no. I didn't have so, a football. I didn't have a football team for twenty one years. I think right. They moved back in sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety five to seventeen. I was like the man without a team. Like so I kind of like the Patriots. Yeah. I picked those up, like, but I was not. Yeah, I loved NFL football, but I had no team. Gotcha. 
That's tough. But now, but now it is firmly Rams again because they're back. Yeah, I mean, I still like the Patriots are cool. Like I've learned to like those because I know how important it is to this to the this area. And and but the Rams, yeah, I mean, I was I didn't get any Super Bowl stuff. I still think I'm going to get me a Super Bowl T-shirt from two years ago. You know, just yeah. Uh, but yeah, my fandom isn't as big as it was. But yeah, I mean, I was disappointed when they lost to Detroit in the playoffs and. And I hope that they make the moves to to get to that next level. But yeah, I'm not like diehard. I said the Dodgers are probably the only team that I'm just like, you know, that that's my team. Um, the, the Rams up. are, but not as much. And then Cal, like my alma mater, is where I'd live and die. So who do you think wins the Super Bowl? Since there's no fandom to it, I like Kansas City. To be honest, I don't know why. I just think they're so poised and savvy. Um, I think as a dynasty, I, I just can't bet against Mahomes. They just figured out a way to kind of manhandle Baltimore, and Baltimore made all these mistakes, and everybody thought Baltimore is a great team, and they're going to you know, slice through Kansas City. They won at Buffalo. I mean, all these times you t- you say, like, you know, they're dead or they're dying or they're here come, they're going to get, you know, put out by – another rising team or it's both Buffalo's year. We all, that's all we heard. It's Buffalo's year. Then they kind of, you know, skidded and then they came back and it's no, no, no Buffalo's back. And then Baltimore. Oh no, no, no. This best Baltimore team since the old one team, the one, the Super Bowl, like, uh, you know, or even the one that, you know, won the Super Bowl and beat San Francisco several years ago with, with Kaepernick. I mean, you thought, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, why when they play Kansas city, do they just, fall over themselves all over themselves i don't get it and it just it just as much as you can put all the, the mccaffrey and purdy and uh and brandon iuk and debo and you know kennel and all these guys you're like oh what a fantastic and a good defense with the great linebackers and all that they get on the field against the chiefs and just something happens i just think the chiefs just have it they got it you know, and and that, that's hard to shake. Well, they got that Patriots thing, not not present day, but for you know two decades. That's without a doubt. We can we can go on and on on this. Speaking of going on and on, I am gonna belabor the topic that that we were talking about before our break with one more question. Then we'll take it back to Marcus Smart for anyone that's bored of this journalism talk. But I am curious uh, because we were talking so much about obviously breaking stories and, and the work that goes into it, the pride that comes out of it. Uh, what is the most significant story you've ever broken? And I phrase it that way because I don't necessarily mean the biggest in terms of notoriety, maybe just the one you're most proud of. What What is the one that uh, really stands out to you? Uh, okay, so when I was living in Seattle and covering the Sonics, I got a random call from a woman who said that she had been conned Evan, you know the story? No, I just love the way we're already going. This is amazing. Okay. I just okay. like, okay, like damn, Evan, you read the story woman. already? I guess, yeah. I'm impressed. You're, no, no, no. I just you're better than you're better than Missoula pulling out my 2008 story. Like, no, I can't. Yeah. I wish. <laughs> man, yeah, what's going on? He's so, on you, man. I, I enjoyed that uh, that back and forth. That's I enjoy all, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're fun, you know. I that's, I, I love Joe, honestly. Yeah. Great, I, I I I like Joe a lot. Um, so this woman randomly called me in the office and said, um, 
I have been conned by a man um, who is impersonating an NBA player, former NBA player who is still the Orlando Magic's TV commentator named Jeff Turner, who played on the 84 Olympic team. He played at Vanderbilt. He played like 12 years in the league. And he's, if you watch a Magic game on League Pass, he is their TV commentator, mm-hmm. right? Six foot eight guy. I I was hustled by, so she told me the whole story that this guy said he was a scout and and literally got her, uh, you know, like dripped her out of money, faked like a relationship with her, had all this, I mean, yeah, had sex with her, all this stuff, man. So I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? So she gives me the guy's name. I reach out to the guy and he's like, yeah, I did it. I just wanted to get laid. Like, I just wanted to, like, I just, that was it. Like, I just wanted, I just wanted, I did, yes. And literally, it was just, I mean, it was a front page story of this guy admitting he, and he literally lived in Somerville. So I'm in Seattle. I had no idea what a Somerville was. I, I, you know, he lived in (laughs) Somerville and he faked like he was an NBA scout. He said his name was Jeff Turner and he conned this woman out of money, relations, all that. And he freely admitted it. And so his picture was on the uh, cover of the paper. Oh, my gosh. It was such a, like, that was one of the more amazing stories I've ever worked on, where he just freely admitted it. He did not deny it. He just basically said, yeah, I'm a sleazebag. Like, I'm just not, you know, like, (laughs) shoot me. Shoot me. Like, yeah, I lied. And I had to talk to Jeff Turner, who was like, you know, because they got NBA security involved. Yeah, like, um. You know, it was just, it was an amazing story of this guy. I can't remember his name. I'd have to find his name. Um, and this woman who called me randomly and, you know, because I think what happened was um, a local Boston paper did like a feature, because this guy actually did play basketball, not the NBA, but they did like a feature on him or whatever. And he said he was a scout, but he used his real name. So it was just, it was all, it was, I it was, it was all crazy. And it was an A1 on the front page of the paper. And it was all about basically don't get conned. This guy lied. And the guy was 6'6". He was a former, I think, a college player. I don't even know if he played D1, but he was a former athlete. He he resembled Jeff Turner, you know, but picked Jeff Turner and said, you know, and if you you know look it up, like I said, he played at Vanderbilt. He played in the 84 Olympics team with Jordan. Uh, he was he was on that team, so he was a very good player. And then he played ten years in the league, and I think his last years with with Orlando when they became an expansion team in '89. So yeah, like basically identity theft, con man impersonation, and the guy said, "Yep, I just wanted to get laid." And so I got so much reaction from like guys laughing, women saying this is horrific. Guys, I, who, I gotta, I gotta meet this guy. He, you know, he, he represents all the sleaze bags of the world. Like it was just all the reactions I got were just from this story were That's just crazy. so varied. Like, and the woman was so, you know, it, she was like, "Thank you." And he, he didn't, he wasn't mad at the story. I think he wanted the publicity. He probably wanted to be caught, you know. And and his picture, it was. I had to find the story. Um, but it, that but was probably you talked to Jeff Turner about this. I did. He was very like nonchalant about it. Like, yeah, I heard about that. He didn't say like you wrote like he didn't 
Yeah, he didn't. He, I literally said, Mr. Turner, I, I, I know there was a guy impersonating you or whatever. Yeah, I called security. Then I've seen him over the years, not recently if I mentioned this, but like uh, in uh, years after, because he's been in Orlando, obviously the TV guy for a long time. And he kind of was like, yeah, that was crazy, huh? Like he, he kind of downplayed it. He, he, uh, he, uh, you uh, know, uh, I don't think it was something that he, a story he wanted yeah, to tell. I don't think you're telling that to a lot of people. Yeah. I told yeah. That's crazy. That was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. His first call was like, yeah, I did. I just wanted to get laid. Like that was like, oh, <laughs> so just imagine the reaction oh. from our readers when he, when he said that on the record, he yeah. said that on the record and it was like, you know, basically, yep. Yeah, I'm guilty of being a total jerk in a sleeves bag. Like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, no, I'm not going to jail. I'm not, you know, like, I, I I wasn't honest. So what? Like, you know, it was like, yikes. Well, it's it's hard to go from that to Marcus Smart, but I'm going to try. Let's uh, let's let's work some of this smart talking before we before we let you go. That was good. Uh, so Smart made his return. Didn't play. Talked to the media. Nothing but glowing things to say as you would expect about his time in Boston and teammates and organization and you know any sort of anger or or emotion in a negative way that he may have felt at the time of the trade he certainly has either processed and moved on from or he just you know completely treated it as as water under the bridge he's he is looking forward and he's proud of where he is at maybe not you know, with the injury and the way the team is playing, but that's a whole other thing beyond his control. He, you know, I, it, it just, it, it was, it was great. It was, you know, I wasn't at the game, but it was emotional to see him back. Uh, you know, obviously a, a very popular figure here. I, I don't think in the last two decades of Boston sports, you would find a more polarizing figure than Marcus Smart. You know, I, I think, you know, like maybe early Al Horford when he signed or, Tuka Rask, you know, guys that, that might somewhat be in the conversation, but but Marcus really a class of his own. I mean, people really loved him and swore by him and and you know, like it in this house we do not slander Marcus Smart, those things that were being sold online for a while. Uh or, or you hated him and you thought he was always guilty of hero ball and doing too much and was a detriment to the team's success and he was holding them back and there was just no in between. There was no in between with Marcus Smart, uh, which is really unfortunate. I think a lot of people didn't appreciate him at, at, at a baseline for for what he was here and what he is. What I thought was really interesting in the article you wrote, though, and you're not the first to say it. You probably know where I'm going with this. You feel his number 36 should be retired. Yes. I think most people would, would say, disagree. Believe me, most, I've, most people, I've heard on X today. Yes. I, I think even people... Like I am a Marcus Smart stan, fan, supporter, and I disagree. I, I think I, I think a lot of people would disagree who even did love Marcus Smart. Yeah, I can see that. And I and I think I I think it's it's not the longevity factor. He was here for a long time, almost a decade. I think it's the ultimately, unfortunately, it just kind of comes back to he doesn't have a ring. He didn't. He didn't. Okay, Adam. He doesn't have a ring, so Rondo gets his number retired. I don't think so. He has a ring. He was a four-time All-Star. Three times he led the league in assists in Boston. Yeah. So what what we have to do is this is this is my argument. 
Okay, I, I do it actually is, think... By the way, it's a Celtics problem because yeah. they have way too many numbers yeah, up yes. there, so it brings down the... I threat. actually do think about these things before I say them to my to the viewers who think I'm just coming up with oh, shit. Yeah. I think okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's my thing about Marcus Smart. You retire jerseys for various reasons. Longevity, performance, championships... And the least one is culture changing. Hmm. Okay. Tony Allen is getting his number retired in Memphis. Was it because he put up a bunch of points? Hell no. It's because he changed the culture and created the grindhouse culture in Memphis. He's getting appreciated for that. Now, I'm not comparing the Celtics and the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies are probably desperate to retire somebody's number, right? right. Because they haven't won anything. However, I do think that Smart changed the Celtics culture. And you could say that it went too far. You could say that he had too much power and leadership. But remember, there's organizations, and I said this on television, like the Detroit Pistons have not recovered from losing Chauncey, Rip, still haven't recovered 15 years later from the breakup of that team. 15 years later, they are the worst franchise in in basketball. Okay. I don't think they've won a playoff series since then. Do you know how long it takes to recover when you get old? Look at look at the 92 Celtics and the 93 Celtics and the 96 Celtics. Look how long that took, mm-hmm. right? So a similar situation was coming. Doc was – Garnett and, and Pierce were old. Allen left. Rondo was in his prime but probably needed to be traded because – he wasn't going to play with a bunch of youngsters. And he and he had value around the league. Um, and the Celtics flipped it. Danny traded it, hired Brad. Doc was like, love this, love Boston, but I'm going to L.A. to golf more, coach Paul, uh, DeAndre Jordan, and Griffin, and try to win a chip, another championship. So Brad, so Brad chooses Smart as his first pick in 14. In a few years, they came back. They were in Eastern Conference Finals in 18. Like, you know, and you could, you could credit Smart, but also Isaiah, right? And if Isaiah had played long enough, who knows what would happen with his number four, but it didn't only, you can't retire somebody two and a half years, but nine years, defensive player of the year, three time first team all defense, fourth all time in steals. It's an intangible thing. It's not necessarily numbers. So my feeling is he helped change the culture. He helped bring Celtic basketball back because you can't bet that it would have come back if he hadn't have been around. You could say, well, they would have drafted Jason Jalen, but where, who was their spiritual leader? Who was their heart and soul? Who sacrificed their body? Who died on the floor? Who was ready to jump in somebody else's ass for another team? Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. It wasn't Jalen. It wasn't Jason. Love those guys. You know, and if we're talking about championships, Adam, Evan, if Tatum doesn't win a title, does he still get his number retired here? Tatum? How long's a year? How, yes, yeah, right? Yeah, no doubt. Because he's, he's likely to finish as a Celtic. If he stays in Boston, he's going to be he, – he'll approach Havlicek. Havlicek has 27,000, I want to say. Pierce is second. Like he'll – so are we? how are we basing this? And I think it's time – at times, a special situation. I'm not saying anybody who played nine years in Boston deserves their number retired. I'm saying culture changing. That's the last category. Usually it's performance, 
longevity, and championships. Those are the three. Four is a culture change. I think Marcus, for what he did, and the fact that he didn't ask out, he didn't ask to be traded, he didn't bitch and moan, he's been a total gentleman. They It was an addition by subtraction. We'll find out. But I think what he gave to the organization in his nine years, and let's be honest, Marcus is going to be one of those guys with mangled hands and all that when he's done. Like he has given his body, and he's a he. And I mean, to, he, he's he's about to turn thirty. He's only thirty to this yeah. organization. I think it's a strong consideration after all is said and done. And he got. And was it his fault they lost in the twenty two finals? Like was it all his fault? No. Did no. Jason show up in that series? I love Jason. What was Jason in that series? What happened to Derek White after game one? Yeah. Like, you, well, he didn't win in 22. It wasn't Marcus against the Warriors. It was the Celtics yeah. against the Warriors. Only Jalen was good in that series. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I, I understand everything you said and, and agree largely with much of what you said. I come from it, I guess, from a place of, of, I'm I'm just more selective than than the Celtics historically have been. For instance, like I don't think Kevin Garnett should have his number retired, and he might be my favorite Celtic ever, you know. But you know, it, for me with him, and you want to talk culture changing? My God, that's but what I'm the, saying. Uh, you want a title? I get it. He wanted title, but for me, it's longevity. He wasn't here long enough. Smart. He's got the years. He doesn't have the title. You know what I mean? So it's this it's this combination. What about, what about Ray Allen? No. Because he wasn't here long enough? The five years? Yeah. But he won a title and went to a game seven of another. Right. Because if the argument is he didn't win, Mark and they won no titles, then we should scowl, Gabe Pruitt, Leon Poe, all should be in their name in the rack if that's what we're doing. Because this organization, Adam, has won one title in 38 years. (laughs) Right. So what we're doing is we're just saying, like, F everything, you got to win a title. And I think that was the level. But remember, in the 60s, I'm not taking anything away from those great players in the 60s, but there was Don Nelson, guys who were just bit, guys who came off the bench right. and those got their numbers retired. Right. Like, that's every, almost everybody did. Way. Like, everybody. And it, it, it was it overkill. All those guys are mostly in the Hall of Fame. So, no, really. Casey Jones is a coach. Sam Jones was a tremendous player. I mean, I'm talking about Russell and Cousy. That's a given, right? Bill mm-hmm. Sharman. Ed McCauley got his number retired, and he did not win a championship in Boston. He got traded for Russell. He before he was a great player. Like, so I don't know what scale we're doing this on now. Is it is it overkill? Like, I think some of the newer fans and the, some of the fans are like, yeah, we got too many retumbers retired anyway, so we got to draw the line and cut this off because it's getting ridiculous. Like, okay, that's cool. So it's only, like, championships, and that's it. Like, I don't – like, do the Celtics need to adjust what they – how they retire numbers? Or – because obviously Pierce was a given. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Allen is a bubble, and he's a Hall of Fame player. Rondo's an interesting case. Nine years, four All-Stars, three times led the league in assists, a, a championship in a game seven. Yeah, and, he was, and he was a motherfucker in those playoff series <laughs> against Miami. Yeah. Right? He was. 
Like my like Rondo was a bad man. Okay. But he didn't leave. Like he was not a popular player. Rondo was moody. I had my issues with Rajon Rondo personally, without question. Yeah, but you can't exactly I didn't be, be what my ass connect for. But you cannot <laughs> argue against production. So the question is, should we review how we assess Jersey retirements in Boston? Or is it just championship or bust? If if that's the case, fine. Because if Tatum doesn't win one, then we don't retire zero. If it's about championships. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm sure Jason will win one or two. And Jalen, because Jalen will be right behind him. If both both of them win a title here, they're both getting their numbers retired. We know that, right? Okay. And and we we, we know that. So with Marcus, I don't want to blame him. Well, he didn't win at all. Five Eastern Conference Championships. And I can't blame him for – I can blame him for some plays he made in Game 7 last year against Miami, but I can also blame, like, shooting too many fucking threes, excuse my language, damn threes, and, like, settling and then just not having the mental edge to win that game when you knew Miami was going to play their ass off and Miami showed up and the Celtics thought that they were done and they weren't. Like, that's a lot. I don't know if you put all that on Marcus. Now, for me – I think it's an argument. I'm not like, oh, my God, if they don't retire, this is terrible. They did him as just justice. I just think for the culture changing that he did and for what he gave to the organization, I watched him for nine years, saw him hit 11 threes in a game at Cleveland. I saw him do the stuff as you call it hero ball, Evan, and I, and I, I could agree. It got maybe a little overboard. But I saw him damn near fight Jalen Brown in the bubble. I saw him want to win so badly. I saw him, that man, dye his hair green. I saw that man live to be a Celtic. That's got to mean something other than see you, Marcus, enjoy Memphis because we're going to win a title without you. Like all, you know, it's like all those people that cheered him last night have all flipped the script and come at me on X today. Like, like, damn, I thought Marcus was loved, but not that loved, huh? Because I'm getting mad insults and all that. My intelligence, I'm idiot. I'm drug tested. Like, <laughs> which is great. That's okay. Like, I don't. I think it's a little much. But to me, like, it's it, he. You know, like it's something you wouldn't just absolutely think. Oh hell no! Like what? Dennis Johnson got his number retired. Like I'm not. I love DJ. I'm a black dude with freckles. Okay. <laughs> I was told growing up I look like Dennis Johnson. So I love DJ, but isn't like I'm saying he helped with the two championships. So that's that gets him in, and he's in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying Marcus should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying what he did in the nine years is a really unusual circumstance. And if you guys can name someone who put nine plus years in Boston that's not retired or not in the Hall that has a career impact like Marcus in Boston and with the Celtics, I, I'd like to know who that who that is. I, I have like I can I can like both sides of this. Like I think in the on the one hand, I love the fact that you brought up like look at Detroit and like they just haven't recovered, right? It took Milwaukee what like forty years to find the next star for them. Like this is something that normally just dies. And what I think is interesting, I wouldn't call it a culture change. I would just call it a continuation of like the KG hard ass, like we he just passed. Look, they had that great moment. In that Brooklyn game where KG and Marcus like found each other for the first time and 
they was they were diving after a loose ball on like the right base, the right sideline. And they, you know, they got, I think Marcus got up first and KG like dapped him on the way up. Like, Hey man, like good play. Love that. Like it was awesome. Right. Yeah. He carried that torch on. And then you could argue that like, that's maybe even harder to do when you have to like come after great guys like KG Pierce and Allen, who, who just had a bunch of battles and huge games for a, you know, a good stretch of, of NBA history. Again, the flip side of that is when you look at Marcus Smart's time, he's like, He's got one foot in a team I would say is probably defined mostly by Isaiah Thomas and then a team mostly defined by Jalen and Jason. Jason. Yeah. So, like, he's not the first guy you think of, maybe, when you think about those teams. Um, and the thing that yeah. hurts is but like – Johnson and Max and, and, and like, there's Parrish, McHale, and, and Bird, and yeah. two other guys from that team had their numbers retired. That's, that's fair. I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah, like, and I'm in all championships. So your argument, the the trump card from any self defense, well, they won championships. I get it, but they went to Game Six in 22. They went to Game Seven in a couple Eastern Conference Finals, like, and to say, Marcus, you do, you don't deserve it because of that. Um, you know, now will it make it look worse if the Celtics coast to the title this year without him? Maybe. I'm just saying. From what I saw, my eyes, his impact, he, it's worth consideration. Like, Celtic fans are like, oh, hell no. Like, I just think that's really dismissive of what his impact, what he did. Nobody said he's going to be a point guard. He became a point guard. I mean, you know, he's, he's got the team record for made threes in the game. As much as his three-point shot was a damn fucking experience, a roller coaster experience. Excuse me, I'm cursing. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> It's you know he has the team record for threes in a game. Like Marcus improved, he became a point guard. You know now will the Celtics be better if he was here? Probably not. But you also have the development of Derek White and the addition of Chris Porzingis. Like that's tough to judge, right? It's tough to judge. Oh, they're better because they're better because Derek White is a completely different player than when he arrived in Boston, and Chris Porzingis is a different difference maker. At, at the big that they needed for years. Let's be really honest. Jason's having a good season and Jalen's having a good season. Drew's been solid, had his moments. I wouldn't say like, oh man, Drew's just been spectacular. Like Drew's been solid. You hope that his better basketball is going to be in the playoffs, right? But you're talking about completely different Derek White. Like, man, I don't know. I mean, it, as I said, I can listen to arguments against it. And I wouldn't argue people down or say you're crazy. But to sit there and like, oh, hell no. That, that dude, like, it just completely dismisses. I've seen that dude break, you know, ank- sprained ankles in his hands and all that. All of, you know, yeah, just, I mean, come on. Like, man, I just say that dude's new stuff that was like, you know what? If you're not going to do it, I'll do it. And that, to me, that's like, you know, to me, that's that says a lot. See, this is why you listen to and watch Celtics beat. You don't get this Gary on NBC Sports Boston. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no, look, I mean, I've got my opinion. Evan's got his. You've got yours. People listening, watching, they have theirs. The bottom line is only a couple opinions really matter, and that's of ownership. You know, and Wick Grosbeck, and this is not – 
meant to be a a dig so i hope it's not interpreted as such he's an emotional sentimental guy about celtics history and like kevin garnett's number whether or not you feel or i feel belongs up there it's going up there ray allen's might as might as well uh marcus smarts absolutely might you know he's ready to put tatum and brown up there right now and they still haven't won and haven't been here for a decade and all that stuff you know rondo never really gets talked about uh you know danny ainge at some point in time is going to go up there in some form as you know a for his decades of of service with the celtics and and you know going back to player executive all of it like this there are more numbers coming they're going to need another one of those flags yeah (laughs) Yeah. start a new one pretty soon but uh listen we've kept gary long enough and we've we've interrupted dinner hopefully the chicken hasn't burned but gary no it's fine it's fine my wife is home though so yeah well we'll we'll let you go work on the work-life balance then we've enjoyed this uh as always and uh we'll definitely do it again soon man thanks a lot guys appreciate it absolutely gary washburn obviously of the boston globe of the big three podcast make sure you check that out part of the clns media network for evan i'm adam we'll talk to you again later in the week